2: What is up, everybody? It is Monday night, and it is the staple show. I feel like out of all the days of the week, Ryan, Monday has been the least utilized day of the week for the podcast. Like, does that does that add up? I feel like this is the maybe this day or Saturday. I don't know.
1: No, I think it is Monday. We we usually the Bills play on Sunday, and we we do the post game right after. So. Monday's not utilized very often, but on these short weeks with these Thursday games coming up, you know, last week on Thanksgiving and then obviously this week on Thursday Night Football, you have to utilize it. Yeah,
2: and speaking of utilizing it, utilize your keypad, your mouse pad, your mouse computer, your fingers on your phone, and head over to topsmarkets.com slash redzone, and you can enter for a chance to win $1 million right now. Each week, Kings Hawaiian is pitting two city sliders against each other in the ultimate showdown, and you get to help decide the winner. Vote weekly for your favorite regional slider for a chance to win all season long and earn entries toward the $1 million prize. Explore the interactive stadium to play games, get recipes, share photos, and so much more. We got a lot to get to tonight. Um, this is going to be our one big show before the uh, Bills play the New England Patriots on Thursday. So, this is going to be our staple show combined with the preview show, all jam packed into one. We have a lot of storylines to get into on both sides of this thing because, really, I guess this idea that we could start with is the idea of what we're going to learn about this division over the course of the next month. Like, there's so many things. Like, I saw. I was, I was, I was looking for um, some coverage of this Tua viola uh, Mike uh, McDaniel anecdote that's come out recently. And, you know, um, and it might not be recently, it might go back to the summer, but it's the first time I learned about it. And, you know, I was trying to read up on it where he kind of put together a 700 play highlight reel of Tua in, in one of their first meetings together and how that belief from the coach, what that instilled in Tua and how that's kind of catapulted him into this just unbelievable comeback season. And I was listening to a talk about last season and all the stuff that went into the struggles and like asking himself, do I suck? Like he was asking him that, that question last year. And the, the the way that he's evolved, it's like, listen, I know this is a bills podcast and I know there's no bills fans that want to hear glowing things about Tua, but honestly, from a human standpoint, I just got to thinking about it today. I've been somebody that's been critical of Tua and to see, the metamorphosis because of the people around him. that's like the best of our species, right? Like being able to uplift people. And I know I'm starting in kind of like a deep place here, but that was super cool. And the reason I got to thinking about that and and going down the rabbit hole is like, there's been so many hot takes going back to August, whether it be who's going to win the AFC East, like what's Tyreek going to do? Is Tua done? Is he going to come back? Are the, are the chiefs done without Tyreek? It's like, we're finally entering the part of the season where all of that stuff is irrelevant because we're really going to learn all the lessons over the course of the next four or five weeks.
1: Yeah. This is, this is, you know, gut check time for the bills and all these teams. And you know, the dolphins, you mentioned it too, is having a great season. They gave him a lot of weapons on offense. They uh, helped with the offensive line. A coach with an offensive mind came in Uh, all of it kind of put together has really benefited Miami. Now, the thing about Miami's schedule is they were playing a, a schedule where you're playing a lot of lower teams in the league. They haven't had any many impressive matchups over the, the past few weeks. Now they have a stretch where they're going to play against the 49ers. They have the Bills on the horizon. They have some tough games. So you're going to learn more about Miami. Are they a legitimate threat to the Bills in the AFC East? Are the Bills for real? The Bills obviously have to uh, go through this stretch of AFC East division divisional opponents after starting 0-2 in division. They need these games. They need to sweep these next few AFC uh, East matchups to get back on the right track to try to get back atop the AFC East and obviously to try to stay in that in range of that number one seed. If, if the Kansas City Chiefs can slip up against the Bengals this week, for instance, maybe then the Bills have this opportunity to get back up and climb into that top spot. So it's really interesting time of year. You said it. It was around this time last year, Matt, shortly after this period of time that the Bills finally figured things out. It took a loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last year, and then the Bills started rolling. I think the Bills have a good chance to start rolling again here this year around this point in time because of looking at the uh, injury report for this week. Yes, they're still going to be missing some players. Yes, there's some players that are not trending in the right direction going into Thursday Night Football. But there's one name on that list, Josh Allen, listed as a full participant. And I think that's huge news for the Bills. You
2: know, you're you're so on the money with everything that you just said about this being the time of year that the real contenders usually step up. Now, Kansas City, they've been that all throughout the season. You know, Miami has established itself as a contender. I think that it's it, you can call them that at this stage. Mm-hmm. But there's so many different parts to their experience and this was getting to my greater point and i think you hit the nail on the head is that we just with the strength of schedule and miami in the afc if you take out the afc west because they've all played each other and the strength of schedule there is a little bit out of whack the only team in the other two divisions the north and the south that have a um, lower strength of schedule in their wins is the Tennessee Titans. So a team that's been historically now, the last couple of seasons, a fraud. And I've looked at a lot of different things. And I shouldn't call them a fraud. I think they've really been a solid team for the last three or four years with the parts that they have and the quarterback that they have. I think Ty, R- Ty, Ryan Tannehill's only going to take you so far. And he's taken them to that place the last couple of seasons. But for Miami, the rush to anoint them, and listen, we're all guilty of it. We all rush to judgment in so many ways in professional sports. But I, I feel like we've just finally pulled up to the starting line, right? And it's, it's, it, it sets up perfectly with the fact that the Bills are going to play the Patriots, the Jets, and the Miami Dolphins over the next three weeks. And then you're going to really learn all of this. And um, you know, Miami hasn't played in weather. They haven't really had to have a couple of tough games. So after that gauntlet you mentioned, like the Chargers are fighting for their playoffs lives. After the Niners, that's going to be a tough game in two weeks. Then you have the Bills. Those are all road games. So they have to go on the road to San Fran and then L.A. Apparently they're staying out there is what I've heard. Then you come back to Miami for a couple of days Then you fly to Buffalo to play the Bills. Uh, At the end of that, you have to get up for that. Taron Armstrong might be out for that game. All three of those games, potentially. Uh, He's dealing with a pectoral issue. And then you throw in the, the, the December weather at Buffalo and then the end of the season at New England there is adversity coming down the pike at the Miami Dolphins and Tua. And I, I love this story so far because it's, you know, you hate to see anybody. I don't care if you're, and I think Bill's fans are great in this way, in that even, you know, guys that, you know, they cheer against and root against when it c- came to the injury, like, you know, donating the, to a, a foundation or a charity in his cause, all that is great stuff because at the end of the day, we're all human beings. And that's kind of what this is all about. And it's been a cool story to see a guy that was so down, kind of hit this level of success, even though, we might be reaching a point where it starts to scale back a little bit.
1: Yeah, uh there's still huge question marks about Tua in cold weather and rightfully so. He has never played well in that type of uh weather. He has a game with the Bills and the Patriots at the end of the season. So if they really want to establish themselves as a legitimate you know, championship type team, they need to win those games. They need to be hang with the Bills, hang with the Patriots in those type of games. If not, then they might be a team like the Titans that get in the playoffs and um, maybe they can win a game, their first game, wild card game. But once they have to play one of those better teams in cold conditions or a team like the chief set uh, in Missouri, you know, it, it might be one of those things where that's where their Cinderella season kind of comes to an end for the bills though, the, you know, the bills themselves, there's a lot of questions here as we get into the final stretch of the season.
2: I don't know if it's a Cinderella season because he's had his struggles recently, but you know, CB one is a pretty nice place to be for even half of season for a seventh-round draft pick. And that's what Dane yeah. Jackson has been to this point. But hold the phone, Brian. You came out with – you know, you ever seen those videos where – people like walk around in the streets of like big cities, like New York or Chicago with one of those little mini Nerf basketball hoops, and they run up behind somebody. And right at the last second, another friend like tosses up a Nerf ball and another friend comes in and like posterizes the guy in the middle of Times square. I feel like that's what you did to Dane Jackson on Sunday. You put out a story saying bench Dane Jackson. I mean, you were not mincing words. You came for, you know, you, you dunked on him. I mean, is, is it been that bad? Is it time to move on completely and just sit him on the bench?
1: it's time to cut his reps in my opinion and to, to take him from starter to reserve player. Yes. He has been a liability on the field, especially the, the past three weeks. And, and you and I have talked about, we like Dane Jackson. This is a great story. A seventh round pick that spent most of his rookie year on the practice squad signed a reserve futures contract after that first year. And, and then fast forward to last year, his second season, by the time Trey white goes down with the torn ACL, he's all of a sudden, the starting cornerback opposite Levi Wallace. So quite a large jump for him. And and for the last year, he's been a starter for this team. Through the playoffs last season, early on this year, he was, you know, pseudo cornerback number one for this team. Uh, And there were games that he fared very well. There were times that he made some good plays on the football, but the last three weeks, he's really struggled. The coverage isn't always bad. Sometimes the coverage is great, but he doesn't turn his head. He doesn't make a play on the ball. And now we're at that point of the season, Matt, where you need to get your best players on the field. And Trey White, he came back last week. No, he's not playing 100% of the snaps uh, against the Patriots on Thursday Night Football. But you're going to probably see him up his snaps, maybe by 10 to 15 uh, snaps added on to what he was in his first game. You're going to have Kyrie Elam get into this lineup more. He was returning from an injury. It looked like the Bills were a little hesitant to get him on the field uh, uh, on Thanksgiving Day. But I think he fared very well health-wide. I think think he played very well for the Bills. You drafted him with a first-round pick. You want to get him onto the field for some significant rep. So there's two guys right there. And and as Trey White is easing his way back, oh, by the way, you signed Xavier Rhodes to your 53-man roster on Saturday. Rhodes is a player that's been with his team long enough now. He knows the ins and outs of the playbook. When he first signed with the team, he suffered a hamstring injury, put him on the Uh, practice squad IR but he's come back since then he's seen some action I'm ready to see his role increase as well Matt because he's someone that uh, isn't going to be guilty of blown coverage he knows how to play the football a little bit better than Dane Jackson obviously at this point in Jackson's career Uh, and and he's someone that when he played in a zone defense a scheme very similar to what the Bills run with the Colts he had one of his best seasons of his career so between that trio of Trey White, Kyrie Elam, and, and Rhodes, I think there's a good chance for Dean Jackson to take a step back, get a little bit of a breather, go from 100% of the snaps to down to 40 50%. And I think that can benefit Jackson a lot, too. It lets him see things when he's on the sidelines a little bit, uh, learn from his mistakes, but also you know, might put a little chip on his shoulder to try to get that job back and and show that he can handle those starting responsibilities maybe opposite Trey White once White is really back in full swing.
2: I think just naturally you're going to see this problem solve itself over the next couple of weeks because Trey White, by judging by the comments of Leslie Frazier, they're they're really confident that they liked everything that they saw and he's progressing in a way that he's now had that kind of time, that ramp up time to where they're going to be able to Get more reps for him in game. I'm, I'm seeing this asked a lot in the chat. Kyer Elam off the injury report. So yes, full practice participant today. He did not um, have any designation on the Bills' first injury report uh, this week, which is huge news. So now it comes down to all right, what does this potentially look like? Because if you want to talk about responsibility. The Bills have treated Kyrie Elam to this point with kids' gloves, right? They've not really put him out there. He's played 100% of the snaps in two games, and that's because of injury in those games. And they were games against, obviously, the Miami Dolphins in Week 3. Uh, they were banged up. They had to play them. And then uh, against Pittsburgh. And you know that's where I feel like this real good run of play for Elam, uh, 76% against KC, which I think was a big moment for him, 58% against the Packers. 43% against the jets and then 30% this last week against the lions. I don't know if you're, if you're fully there yet to want to ask him to be CB one out there, you know, spelling Tradavius white. But if that ends up being the mix and you want to split uh, on the other side with Xavier Rhodes uh, and Dane Jackson, to me, it makes sense. And they are so comfortable with that at the position. Like they've, they've done it now. Dating back, I mean, I'm trying to think back to the first time they did it, right? Was it Levi and Josh Norman? Was that the first time they started really rotating cornerbacks in this regime?
1: No, a uh, year before that, Kevin uh, Johnson. Oh, yes. Kevin Johnson and uh,
2: Levi as well. And Kevin Johnson really struggled to stay healthy. Yeah. Norman to a degree as well. But they're they're in a really good position, and you're you're going to not have Christian Benford for a while. But I think between those four cornerbacks, they're in a good spot. Let's stick on the injury report here because I think the Bills got. I know the Von Miller elephant in the room. We haven't talked about that yet, uh, although it's not a really a lot new since Saturday. Uh, right. On that, he put out a Instagram story today that I got uh, got on because a few minutes later he put out uh, he put up a, a picture of him smiling and said two weeks dot dot dot. And then the next the next IG story was of uh Twitchmas, yeah. Twitchmas, Twitchmas. his Christmas event on, on Twitch. So he got me. Okay. We got did not practice today, Deion Dawkins. That continues to be a storyline to watch. I mean, you're probably looking at David Questenberry out there on the left side and whoosh against Matthew Judon, who's leading the NFL in sacks right now. Uh, not great. But here's the great news: returning in full to practice, AJ Appanessa, Greg Rousseau was full in practice today. So when you're talking about the numbers on the edge, getting those two guys back in the mix and having them be full three days out from that Patriots game, huge development. Mitch Morris in the middle, full, which would allow you to move Ryan Bates back to right guard and kindly ask Greg Van Roten to go back to the bench. Uh, good job going in there for a game, GVR. And then uh, the, the mo- to me, the most important player this week, not named Von Miller, Tremaine Edmonds, full in practice today.
1: Yeah, listen, there's a lot of guys trending in the right direction. Tremaine Edmonds, you mentioned it, Rousseau, Epinesa, but you also mentioned the downside, and that's Dion Dawkins being a did not participate, and the fact that you're talking Questenberry versus Judon, a player that is on pace for, I believe, 22 sacks this season. He is playing out of his mind for New England. Uh, he's a player that has had great success in his career, and I'm sure he's you know, licking his, his chops here, thinking about the opportunity to get after Josh Allen if Dawkins can't play, if this offensive line is nowhere near 100%. Uh, and, and the Bills are going to have to come up with a really good game plan for for Judon and just protecting Josh Allen in general, whether that means extra offensive linemen, uh, keeping Dawson Knox in as more of a blocker, uh, using your, your running backs in the backfield and keeping them in the backfield to, to block whatever ends up working there. Uh, That might be my son, Owen, on my YouTube saying that. So I'm assuming because he says he always watches the pod. So (laughs) hello, Owen. It's a little surreal to see my face and my name. But uh, thanks for watching, son. Um, So, yeah, it's that was that was weird. But but yeah, hopefully, though, for the Bills, they can keep Josh Allen upright. And that's someone else on this injury report that we're going to talk about a lot here. Full participant for Josh Allen, Matt And, and to me, that's the storyline from Monday's injury report. Ever since he suffered this injury, he's been a limited participant or not participating at all. And there's a reason he's kind of come out a little bit slow against teams like uh, the Cleveland Browns and then the Detroit Lions. It's because he's not practicing in full. He's not getting those reps. It takes a little bit for him to get in sync with this offense. If he has, even though it's again, it's not a traditional full week. They played on Thursday and Thanksgiving. They're playing on Thursday. Uh, on Thursday night football but if he can practice in full this week and get those extra reps in that he was missing I think you have a good chance to see this offense come out on the same page be able to move the football and they're obviously going against a Patriots defense that they have really had their number the past few matchups
2: I went back and watched um, the Minnesota game uh, against the Patriots last Thursday night I was driving back uh, we were driving back from Detroit so we didn't get a chance to really zero in on it <clears throat> and you know the a big piece of the Minnesota's uh, or the Vikings success in that game was a, a lot of clean pockets for Kirk Cousins and you know he tuned him up to the t- to the tune of 300 for, I believe it was three touchdowns Justin Jefferson went off Adam Thielen went off I thought that TJ Hawkinson made some nice plays in the game but it really came down to Protection and Kirk Cousins, he's not living in that, 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 scramble world that Josh Allen lives in. He's sitting dead in the pocket and surveying the field and trying to make plays and his offensive line held up. And against this, you know, uh Patriots team that has Matthew Jude on Josh Uche, a guy that we talk about a lot during the draft process a couple of years ago, he had a sack in that game. I thought when they were successful, they broke down at, you know, on the offensive line. And that's going to be an area where even on the interior with Mitch Morris potentially being back, they're going to have to raise their level of play. I think this offensive line has been playing really good over the course of the last month. But where this thing can go off the rocks, go off the rails, if you will, is if Josh Allen throw, you know, starts turning the ball over. And some of the things that we've seen throughout the season is when he's been turning the ball over, it's been a slightly a byproduct of the breakdown up front in front of him. I mean, I think if you look at the pass blocking grades, you know, we talked about Spencer Brown. You know, Ryan Bates has struggled at times. I thought he's been better. In the, in the passing game, I think Roger Saffold struggled a little bit. Morris has been their most consistent, and obviously Deion. But if he's not available, that's a real concern for me going into this game and how the Bills hold up in protection. Can he get the ball and spread the ball around to all of his playmakers and get them uh, and, and stay upright? It's a great sign that he's full. That really shows you that he's probably in practice doing all the throws, making all the throws. I will say I'll give you this one little nugget. We were only out at practice for a few minutes today. When we went into the open locker room period, uh, they were out in the stadium because there was still some snow build up in the uh, on the practice field. Uh so they practiced in the stadium. And so it took them a little bit longer to get from the stadium over to the field house and into the locker room. And as we were waiting, you know, players started to trickle in, and Josh Allen was one of the last ones in. And he was, he looked like he had just run a marathon. He was sweaty, he was. He looked like a. there was just a look of, you know, work on his face. You know, you can see it like somebody spends all day, like out on the construction site or, you know, doing some kind of manual labor and you see him at the end of the day and you're like, that guy looks like he just put in some work. That's what Allen looked like. And so you pair that the the designation being full in practice with what I saw after practice. And I think he's in a place where they practice outside. They're getting ready to go on the road. And I also feel like Patriots week, you know, changes things for the whole organization. Yeah, Like they know the ghosts that exist with the Patriots. And I just feel like everything's a little bit more buttoned up this week. You know, attention to detail, taking advantage of practice, all those little things, even McDermott's, the feel around McDermott's press conference, it just feels a little different.
1: And Josh Allen plays a little bit different against, you know, uh, New England. And I know he grew up a big Tom Brady fan, so in a way, the Patriots are probably his team. So maybe he wants to uh, just kind of beat that team that uh, he used to support and cheer for, and beat that team that had his number the first few years in, in the league when it was Brady at quarterback. Whatever the case may be, Josh Allen kind of really turns it up a a notch or two against new England. And I think there's a good chance you're going to see that again, as long as they can keep him upright and protect him, you know, going to that late Thursday, Thanksgiving game. I know the Patriots were on the losing side of things in that matchup, but their offense played a pretty good game of football. Mac Jones was slinging the ball around Stevenson didn't uh, break off any big runs, but he was their second leading receiver they look pretty good on offense and, and, you know, going into this game based on the way the last two games went for New England, they're going to have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. Uh, there were press conferences today where Judon said, hey, I, you know, I don't care if they don't punt again, if it means we're getting turnovers, if we're getting interceptions, if we're getting forced fumbles uh, because they're getting asked all about the punting and the, or the lack thereof the last two matchups. There's no doubt in my mind that this is a big game for New England in terms of revenge for last season trying to hang around in that playoff picture. Uh, Even in August, Mac Jones had a picture from the playoff loss in his locker with 47-17 written on it. So you can't tell me that uh, New England's not coming into this game trying to get some revenge for how things went in the playoffs, how things went late in the regular season. So for the Bills, Josh Allen and the team need to be buttoned up. They need to be paying attention to the details, and they need to come out on offense and really put New England in a hole uh, to make them more one-dimensional, to let that def- the defense make some plays on Jones, let the secondary hopefully get some hands-on passes or uh, get some turnovers, something that uh, they really need to do early to to let that one get away from New England and, and kind of put the hammer down on them sooner rather than later.
2: Some news came out right before we started that Damian Harris has been ruled out of the game already. Uh, according to Ian Rappaport, it was... Um, I think it's a, a thigh injury that's going to keep him out maybe a week-to-week situation. So that's mm. – listen, Ramondre Stevenson is one of the best young running backs in the league, and he's going to be a lot to handle. But I do think that having those two bruisers in that offense like really allows them to be more dynamic in their run game. I think this affects them a little bit. I think it's worth talking about. But I want to spend some time talking about Mac Jones and where he's at because – we, we talked about Tua at the top. And, you know, I think if anybody could have been in there in a bad spot in this offseason, it's with the, what the Bills did to Mac Jones last year. And he's played better the last two weeks. You know, 104.6 quarterback rating against the Jets and a 10 3 win. Uh, no offensive really production. They had a field goal in that game and then a, the return touchdown uh, that, that won them the, the Zach Wilson gets benched game. Hmm. And then. This last week against Minnesota, listen, he made the plays that were there to be made. And what I thought was interesting, 71.7% completion percentage, two, 382 yards passing, two touchdowns, got Hunter Henry going, get, you know, worked it around. Devontae Parker had a good game. He got it to Nelson Aguilar, born a little bit. Jacoby Myers made a really nice catch in the play. So he was spreading the ball around. But what I thought happened was at the second and third level, the Vikings just didn't defend, and I think you get Tre'Davious White in a much better spot going into this game. You have Jordan Poyer available. Interesting enough, going to be watching this illness deal because Demar Hamlin didn't practice today. Which you start to think about maybe Dean Marlowe maybe in the mix if he doesn't get a full week of practice. I think Hamlin's done a really nice job in that role, but that's something to watch. Jaquan Johnson also, and we were talking about Dane Jackson. He hasn't practiced the last two days. Yeah. He's been out with this illness as well, so that's something to consider. But for Mac. Last week was more about who Minnesota is rather than who Mack and this Patriots offense is. Minnesota has given up the most passing yards per game in the NFL this season at 273. They're banged up in their secondary. Andrew Booth, the rookie that we really liked, he's having surgery. They got a bunch of guys out. And listen, if you could stop that two-headed monster of Daniil Hunter, Zedarius uh, Smith, I mean, you are really put in a good spot. The Bills scored 30 on them a couple of weeks ago. So this comes down to, At the front, I know they won't have Von Miller, but getting a lot of pressure, hitting Mac Jones, getting in his face like they have, and then being who they are at the second and third level and getting Tremaine Edmonds back is just absolutely huge in this game.
1: Yeah, having Edmonds and Matt Milano together in this game is going to be a major factor for this team. Uh, Tyrell Dodson, props to him. I feel like in the last two games against the, the Browns and the Lions, he didn't stand out. And, and what I mean by that is he didn't stand out in a negative way. Like there was never any, there weren't plays where I said, Oh man, like that was just a terrible, terrible play on His part, he, he took the job and he played well enough for this team to win both games. But the bills have also learned over the last three, four weeks, how important Edmonds is. And I think the bills already knew that, but I think bills fans maybe learned how important Edmonds is to this defense. So if you have them in the middle of the defense, if you have Jordan Poyer back there, Trey white in, in a bigger role than what he was one week ago, uh, Rhodes and Elam coming back obviously no injury designation that helps on the back end and then you mentioned it you know they're not going to have Von Miller but they didn't have Von Miller last year and the Bills were able to get to Mac Jones a little bit affect him a little bit in that last game affect him a little bit in the playoff game and they did that sometimes with their front four uh, Greg Rousseau early this season had had a really nice start to the year I think having him back is going to help a same with AJ Epinesa But the interior part of this defensive line, I think, can wreak havoc again this week. Ed Oliver is playing out of his mind right now. Daquan Jones is playing uh, fantastic football for this team. You throw in Tim Settle making a splash play here and there. Jordan Phillips, you know, Phillips, I feel like ever since he suffered the hamstring injury, uh, he's taken a step back in his overall play. But that's kind of to be expected from where he was at the start of the year. I think he's going to be finally on that healthier side, too, now where it's not going to be lingering or maybe affecting his play. So I think the interior of this defensive line too, Matt is going to have a big factor uh, in the outcome of this game and really be able to get after Mac Jones, uh, limit what Stevenson can do running between the tackles. And it's going to be an interesting matchup to watch.
2: It's going to be interesting to watch how the Christmas bonus program helps out all of our listeners all holiday season long because it is the season to save on groceries and all of your favorite holiday gifts. Christmas bonus is underway at Topps Friendly Market. Shop at Topps and save $10 at all your other favorite stores and restaurants with over 25 gift cards to choose from. There's something for everyone on your list. And don't forget to treat yourself to some extra savings too. save on great gifts like toys games from GameStop or, or Toys R Us at Macy's, great family dining at Applebee's or Buffalo Wild Wings, that new big screen TV you want from Best Buy and so much more just by shopping at Tops. Be Santa's biggest little helper with Christmas bonus from Tops. and for a complete list of available gift card savings, visit topsmarketscom slash Christmas bonus.
1: Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.
2: I want to get more into the interior of that defensive line, Ryan, because you make a really, really important point. You know, I know Rousseau's coming back, potentially, A.J. Epinesa, and somebody made a comment earlier about Rousseau not looking right at practice. I haven't really noticed that. We haven't gotten to see a lot of practice, but it seems like he's moving around pretty well. There's no indication to me that he's going to be limited at all, and I think they'd have him listed as that if he was. I won't read too much into that. But really interesting quote came out yesterday from – ed oliver that you know he was when i was thinking about von miller being out and who maybe to talk to ed oliver just skyrocketed to the guy that should really be out there talking for the defense and you know he did his media scrum yesterday and was asked about von and he said you know he said well all of us on the inside are healthy uh between us four tim settle jordan phillips daquan jones and uh, himself we can get it done kind of putting the onus, the pressure in this big time game against the Patriots without Von Miller on him, and I think that's rightfully so. Now he he did step it back a little bit when he, a follow came from uh, my colleague over at WIVB, uh, the pregame show, Buffalo Kickoff Live. Thad Brown said, uh, "Wow, that's a that's a pretty big statement." He's like, "Well, well, well, well Von, still Von," but what he's trying to say is, "Listen, they have a lot of belief and faith in what they can do on the interior." And we talked about this last show. show. This is something that this is setting up for a huge opportunity for them to figure out a way to affect the quarterback without Vaughn, And I think potentially can make them an even more dangerous team if he's able to come back later on, or maybe you don't have him for the rest of the way and you have to manufacture new ways to win and be successful. And this may force a lot of guys into larger roles and, and have to produce them Ed Oliver is playing with, I'd argue the most confidence he's had, in his professional career right now, coming off the game he just had. I know we all want to talk about the backups at left guard and right guard for the Lions, and that's fair for us to talk about. But Ed Oliver and NFL players, man, like there's respect from 1 to 53 on the roster. And when you're playing at that kind of level, you almost feel unstoppable. And that play itself, I went back and watched the fumble, the forced fumble, and then the recovery. That's the kind of play a player makes when he's just completely in his bag. And I just think this is the time where it's, it's lining up perfectly for Ed Oliver to earn that next contract.
1: Yeah, I think that's well said, Matt. And you know, speaking to what you just said about the, the four defensive tackles and Ed Oliver specifically, I think this is going to give Leslie Frazier a chance to get a little creative with how they utilize that defensive line with Von Miller out. They have versatile players. You have a guy like Greg Rousseau that you can play inside or outside. They mm-hmm. played him inside once or twice uh, or a few times this year when he's just been able to kind of bull rush the interior line and get after the quarterback. We've seen Ed Oliver line up on the outside in his career in Buffalo and have success. So w- without Von Miller, knowing we that. We ask you this
2: though. Yeah. Would Bill's Mafia be able to handle
1: two-and-a-half
2: sack performance on the edge from Ed Oliver, or would Bill's Twitter just to completely break.
1: Yeah, I think it might break in that case. Now, I'm not you know, I'm not saying play significant reps out there, but the way they line him up at times in this game, I think you can find those matchups that he can exploit, that he can have, uh, you know, winnable matchups. And I think on the inside, too, he's playing, like you said, with, with the most confidence I've ever seen, and he, he's just winning those one-on-one matchups. He's even taking on double teams and splitting them at times and still getting into the backfield, making great plays against the run, getting after quarterbacks, you name it. Uh, but I, I'm really interested to see how they line him up, how they line Rousseau up, how they get creative with those defensive linemen who are available to try to confuse Mac Jones, confuse that offensive line in New England. Uh, so I, I think the, the Bills can, I don't want to say get in their bag of tricks, because it's not using trickery. It's just using the versatility of these players that they have with the length, with the speed, with the athleticism uh, to to make life difficult for Mac Jones and company on Thursday night.
2: The challenge in the interior comes with the talent level that the Patriots have on the interior of their offensive line. That's the strength of this thing. Michael Anwinu is one of the you know, best young interior offensive linemen in the NFL. He's played 11 games. He started every game for the Patriots this year. He's only allowed, according to Pro Football Focus, five quarterback or six quarterback pressures. David Andrews plays center. He's reportedly going to play. He'll be back in eight games. He's allowed seven. So, you know, the one area that you can kind of challenge is at that, that left guard position, rookie Cole strange, he's given up 17, which, you know, is a lot. The problem is you love to have Von Miller in this game because Trent Brown and Isaiah win at times have been turnstiles on the edge, 17 yeah. and 22 pressures allowed according to pro football uh, focus, uh, respectively from those two guys. So listen, this is a, I think they're going to have success on the interior because they're healthy, because Ed Oliver's playing at a high level. But I also think this is the kind of matchup that, yeah, you'd love to have Vaughn for those explosive kind of games, but I think Greg Rousseau, Shaq Lawson, a guy that's you know, played well against this team in the past at times, they can maybe have an imp- imprint on this game.
1: Yeah, th- you know, they're not Von Miller. No one's saying that any of these players are that, that are off coming off the edge or playing uh, defensive end for this team. But th- they can make an impact. Shaq Lawson, we've seen him get some pressures the past few weeks. We know what Rousseau was doing at the start of the year, getting uh, half a sack or more in, I think, the first three or four weeks of the season, uh, making some big plays for this team. We we know that you know even Epinesa in not in the same obviously level as a Rousseau, but he's even had some success getting after the quarterback. Uh, one of the fastest defensive ends off the line in terms of at the snap needs to still put that the pass rush arsenal together to be a little bit more effective as a pass rusher overall. But uh, the get off time is there among the elite in the league, so the Bills have talent there. I think they're going to be able to. Uh, have a winnable matchup or two in this game. You already mentioned how much pressure has come off the edge of the season. It's just about execution for this team. Do they have to send some pressure at times? You know, we've seen them do that the the past few weeks when they've they've had their struggles and it's worked for them. You don't want to live and die by the blitz because that's how you can also get beaten for big plays. But I think Leslie Frazier is going to, if the bills do struggle a little bit up front early on, he might send some heat from time to time to get after Mac Jones, try to cause those turnovers. So, the way the Bills have had success in, in, the recent, in recent memory over New England should give Bills fans some confidence going into this matchup because, listen, you look at these rosters, and the Bills still, uh, by a pretty fair margin, have the better roster, even without Von Miller going into this game, possibly without Deion Dawkins. There's a lot to like about this matchup for Buffalo.
2: Great uh, stuff from Scott Maranto in that uh, comment that he put in. I put in the chat real or in the, on the screen real quick. The Bills were not blitzing at all early on in the mm-hmm. season, right? They were the, the, their blitz percentage was among the lowest in the league and it started to kind of ratchet up a little bit. Um, we're all the way up here to 16.3%, which ranks 23rd in the NFL. So they're, they're starting to blitz a lot more. And I think if you looked at that in a uh, percentage uh point of the last like I don't know six or seven games they'd probably be middle of the pack in terms of the NFL uh in terms of blitzing percentage and now you have a healthy Matt Milano presumably a healthy Tremaine Edmonds this can be one where you take a little bit more chances because of I don't want to say a lack of weaponry on the New England Patriots side, but there's not really that downfield one-on-one threat that Tyreek Hill, the Travis Kelsey, that you're worried about one-on-one beating your coverage. I, I think you can get a little bit more aggressive in this game. And we saw down the stretch as the Minnesota Vikings got a little bit more aggressive in the fourth quarter is when Mac Jones started to, for lack of a better term, short circuit a little bit. Like there, there's these moments where I feel like he he goes, he's making all these really good decisions throughout that game, right? He's getting back, like you can just see the um, the structure to his game, you know, getting going back in play action and immediately turning around and, and getting the ball out of his hands, hitting the back of his drop, getting the ball out of his hands, finding, locating his target, even looking off receivers, but just being, just a bang, bang nature to his play. And then over the course of the game, Teams wear him down, and then he starts to put the ball in jeopardy. And There's two throws on, I think, the last drive or the, the second last drive where they could have been intercepted. And so you get in his face, you get him off the off his spot, like Roy Collins says here in the YouTube chat, and that's where you start to have success. And I think they can have it in a variety of ways in this game.
1: Yeah, and you know the Bills have had to blitz more in the past six, seven weeks uh, because of the injuries on this team, because of the secondary play, and, and it has worked for them thus far. So in this matchup, with them being healthier, with them maybe having Trey White playing a larger uh, role than, than what he was one week ago, maybe they don't blitz as much, but you should still try it, mix it in here and there to get after him. We've seen some really good blitzes with a Milano coming off one side, Taron Johnson coming off the other. Uh, the, the way that Frazier has mixed it up this year and over the course of his time as Bill's defensive coordinator tells me that they can have some creative blitzes here and there without going too far in one direction in terms of being too aggressive where they can get hurt, uh, with a big gain or after the catch, things like that. But I think that the bills will still lean on the blitz to a certain extent, uh, as they are still trying to figure out those missing pieces, uh, or figure out what their best combination is at cornerback, see how Elam holds up in a bigger role, et cetera.
2: We're going to get to our value home centers keys to the game here shortly. But another topic I want to get into before we transition is I'm wondering if this isn't the game where we see the spike in um, playing time for Naheem Hines because of number one, the potential uh, stress he could put on the, on Belichick's defense. Like one thing that stood out to me listening to his press conference, I don't know if it was his appearance on Wii or a press conference, but he made sure to call out Naheem Hines specifically in the potential that he at the, the potential, like you know, added oomph that he adds to the Bills offense. James Cook, something happened in that game the other day that live watching it, I didn't really notice it until I went back and watched the the replay. He was almost single-handedly responsible for a Josh Allen interception on that short route yeah. where he was kind of supposed to keep feeding into to the to his left Allen's right and he just stopped and not only did he stop but he was completely out of sight of the quarterback so he was not giving Josh any type of window to throw the ball to him and so I think Josh had no no other alternative but to force it to the right like almost like come on go go like leading him with his shoulder pad and then he just didn't go there and that's the kind of mistake that if you look in a game like this that could potentially be close and we'll get to our predictions later and how we see it going but if you're in a close game in the fourth quarter do you trust to put James Cook out there or do you trust to put in you know four and a half year vet Nahim traded for to add to your offense and you figure he's probably a lot more comfortable with all the different things you'll ask him to do in different situations It, I just got to thinking that it wouldn't be surprising if we saw maybe those roles reverse a little bit in this game
1: yeah, I think that's fair, especially in the the exact scenario that you laid out, a, a play where he's running a route. James Cook was viewed as one of the better pass catchers, but that doesn't mean that... His route running is among the best in the league. Yeah, that's that comes with time. He made a big mistake in that Thanksgiving Day game that led to that interception where Naheem Hines. He's he's more polished as a route runner. He's someone that can create the separation that's going to know where to go. So I think you can start utilizing him more. And as good as he's been as a kick and punt returner, that's not why you traded for him. And we both know that it was to get him involved in this offense, get him a, a bigger role, create another weapon for Josh Allen and this team. To utilize. And this is the, the point of the year now where I think it needs to happen. The bills need those extra weapons in these games where uh, you might need to leave Dawson Knox back and blocking more with the offensive line, the way it is, or Devin Singletary. So let Hines come out. There's another weapon for this team and be that guy too, that can clear out space um, and, and get the defenders moving. So that way Allen has a clear window to throw to whether it is to Hines or someone else behind him. So yeah, I, I think that's a good point. I think getting Singletary heavily involved in this game is going to be huge for this offense. There's a lot of little things that the Bills have to do right to come away with their first AFC East victory on Thursday night.
2: 14 snaps for Cook against the Lions. Only four offensive snaps for Hines in that game. So that's just something where even if you get those closer together and maybe eight or eight ish a piece in this game, it could be something interesting to watch here. All right. We're going to move on to the last two segments of this week's show. Oh, Oh, actually, before we do, I had a fun little exercise we can do. A lot of fans did not like the last one we did because we were going over somebody's, uh, or we were going over the market driven, uh, tiers and they didn't like the fact that I was asking you to guess the market, but I thought that was fun because it was like, it's market driven. So you have to kind of consider like, all right, what does the public think? And then try to like, whatever, they're not all going to be winners, (laughs) but I like this idea. Let's go through, I got a list here of the top highest paid Quarterbacks in the NFL right now, number one, Aaron Rodgers, right. Who's number two?
1: I'm trying to think after that contract where Russell Wilson was. With Russell that. Wilson,
2: number okay. two, AAV forty nine million dollars, and the Bills could get, or the the Broncos could get out of that contract with a post June first cut next year to the tune of thirty nine million dollars, get dead cap. That's not horrible. No, horrible? I'm I, considering I, I, that, watching that 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 absolute debacle. the
1: The only thing I'll say is what makes this even worse for Denver is not only the fact that they signed him to that contract, that they traded, you know, the assets that they did. Mm. So that would just, it, it's tough. You don't want to hold on to a quarterback just for the sake of holding on to him. But I think you fire Nathaniel Hackett, you make it your your goal, and maybe you you hire a defensive minded coach. I don't know. But whoever's going to be running that offense, you're going to make sure that their system plays to the strengths of Russell Wilson. Uh, And and I don't know if Hackett's system truly does that or not. I'm not sitting here saying that everything, it should be pinned on Hackett. There's a lot of bad play coming from Russell Wilson uh, that I did not anticipate with some of the young pass catches that he has uh, with how I thought that offense was going to be built. And and mind you, they lose Javante Williams uh, early in the season, but, it's been a struggle for them. So to, to cut him, to get out of the um, monstrosity of that type of contract, I would get it. But at the same time, after you gave up all those assets too, I think you have to almost ride it out. Let's ride, uh, as, as Russell Wilson would say, at least for another year. And I know if you lock him in for another year, the, that uh, dead cat probably gets up to a much higher number. But uh, that's a tough one, Matt.
2: No, that's some great, you know, great, great conversation and and great a great take on the whole situation about just, you know, you just kind of strapped into it. But what I the game I wanted to play was which contract do you hate more? We'll bring in our producer right now, our trusty producer. What what is that? A, a Penn State hat you you're wearing there, buddy? Yep. And, I'm like, an Notre right?
0: fan. I like Penn State too.
2: All right, all right. Are, are you an alum? Man. Are you are you a Penn State alum
0: before you went I to Rockville? That was my, that was my dream school, but it didn't Uh, work out that uh, way. SUNY school, uh, state school, save some money.
2: (laughs) So here's the question and we can kind of toss it around the horn here. Russell Wilson is what it is, right? 49 million annual. You're really locked into that for the next couple, unless you want to take an absolutely devastating dead cap hit um, here next year. And it's gone so poorly that this it's expedited like, if you're Denver and you're building this thing, like you're looking to next season in 2023, like how are you gonna field a competitive team offensively? Mm-hmm. And all the defensive players that you bring back. And you know, we saw the dust up with the defensive tackle on Sunday. That those things are only gonna get worse as this season continues to fly off the rails. I mean, they were supposed to be a Super Bowl contender. I was listening to a podcast today, a guy I really respect saying that he had to you know, uh, Michael Lombardi's co-host, Femia Benefe. he was talking about his preseason pick for Super Bowl where the Niners versus the Broncos, and he was eating some crow on the show. And it's like, that. Were, that that's how quickly things kind of change. But I also want to talk about Kyler Murray's deal. Because, I was going to throw him in. Yeah, 46.1 average annual. What's worse, to have a young, recent, first overall draft pick, who this is only the second contract. Russell's on his, what, third, fourth contract. What's worse, having somebody that you traded assets for, gave all that money to, but you could probably work your way out of pretty quick, as opposed to Arizona, who's just probably stuck in this for the next three years minimum, and it just doesn't look very good.
1: I'll I'll go with, you know, because of the assets I want to see Russell Wilson, but I hate the contract that the Cardinals gave out to kyler murray they didn't have to give him the contract at that point in time he was still under contract um you could have gotten a this whole season under his belt and really been able to make a better determination of what he was as a player in terms of what you thought you know he was going to be for the rest of his career there was no reason to sign him to the deal that they did at this point in time they weren't racing against the clock I think that they really could have maybe traded him in the off season for assets if they hadn't signed him to this deal, but now they are stuck with him and there's some good qualities to his game, the escapability, ability. Um, but he's also a smaller framed quarterback. He's someone that you don't want to see him taking a lot of hits. Uh, he's someone that they've had some fast starts, but they always by the end of the season fall apart with Kyler Murray in that system. So, For me, I'm just not a fan of that Murray deal. I'm not a fan of anything, really, Arizona's been doing. Extending the head coach, extending the GM. uh, For what? They really had not done anything great there at that time. So I feel like Murray is a really bad contract. And like you said, because of his age, because of the money he's getting, they're locked into that for the foreseeable future where there is at least an out with Russell Wilson. Yeah, I'll
0: look at it on the flip side of things. Um, I think the Kyler contract, obviously, right now is looking... You know, not too good with the four and seven or four and seven start. I think somewhere, somewhere around there, not, not too good of a start for them. Um, but they have Marquise Brown, who was on the IR for most of the year. Um, he's back now. Obviously, Hopkins was out most of the year. So Kyler was without Hopkins to start the first six games and just less Ertz as well. So Kyler's been dealing with a lot of injuries on his side of the ball. I think from a fan perspective, if I were, if I were a Broncos fan, I think the hype and, you know, trading those assets for Russell Wilson, how how, like, how expensive, you know, they, they paid him is um, something that the Broncos definitely regret looking back at it now after, you know, 10, 11 games through the season. But I'm going to have to say that the Russell Wilson contract is worse just because of the fact that I think Kyler can turn it around. I think Kingsbury, I think he might be gone after this year. I think if they get a new new coach, I like their playmakers. I like uh, James Conner. He's a touchdown machine. He's been picking it up the last couple of weeks. And then Hopkins, Marquise Brown, and I'm going to urge healthy. So I think Kyler, with a healthy team and a good defense, I think they can, you know, keep um, be getting better. And I think Kyler's has room to improve, obviously. And I think with Russ, he's only going to get older. Um, you know, Judy, he's got good playmakers. Sutton, I think Russ is, you know, they might have to get rid of him uh, here in the next couple of years.
2: Yeah. All good stuff all around. I I don't want to belabor this point. I just thought it would be a fun conversation to have because then you go down the list and there's Patrick Mahomes at five now and Josh Allen at six. And I think it, you just kind of spin it back around that, you know, there's been so much doom and gloom amongst bills fans the last couple of weeks. I felt it on social media. I, I think that that comes naturally with the expectations and the fact that you know, going in, this was this Super Bowl juggernaut that couldn't be stopped. And it's looked at times like it's it's stoppable at times, right? And so there's a lot of fear that goes in there. But no matter what happens this season, there's, there's so many other bad situations of teams yeah. that are just throwing money at quarterbacks. And we haven't even talked about Deshaun Watson, who comes back next week, this week. And guys, there's a very good possibility that after not playing for two years, he just stinks. Like They could have given him $230 million guaranteed, and he stinks. There's a real possibility. He didn't look good in the preseason. There's been a lot of the, the criticism that he's going to face, regardless of if he's good or not, is there. But then you throw in the pressure of him coming back and not outplaying Jacoby Brissett. Can you imagine those press conferences? There are just so many more uh, horrible situations around the league. It's, it's, it's kind of interesting to watch it sometimes.
1: Yeah, ruin for the Texans, by the way, to knock off Watson in his return. That'd be that would just be uh wonderful to see. Uh, but you, you mentioned it. Watson didn't look good this this preseason. He's not someone that that fans should just automatically think he's gonna be able to turn it on the rest of this season. That's just the worst contract I've ever seen, fully guaranteed. Um, so it's gonna be interesting, Matt. You're right. It'll it'll be fun to see how the Browns season ends, obviously. Uh, they're not a team that's going to make the playoffs this year the way they've been playing, uh, unless there's a major turnaround. And I'm not anticipating that with Watson at quarterback. All right.
2: Um, We're going to move this thing along. Our next segment, as always, uh, and again, this is a, a staple show and a preview show all in one. We have mm-hmm. to bring you the value home centers uh, keys to the game. And, uh, we brought we brought in Jay, Jay, or, uh, AJ a little early this week uh, and that's okay we'll uh, we'll get you going right now if you head over to valuehomecenterscom they have tons of deals for you they have this special cyber Monday deal that's going on today right now you can get a Milwaukee's pack out modulator storage system you know what that is Ryan Talbot
1: I was actually looking at them earlier today on their Instagram. Yeah, that's it, good deals there. And you get some gift cards too. Is that correct, Mr. Perino?
2: You do. If you buy $199 in qualifying packout storage solutions, you get a $50 value gift card. If you buy $299 worth, you get a $100 value gift card. And then you can just go to town. You can get all the new toys that you've been, you've been eyeing over at Value Home Centers. They got you hooked up. All right, let's go into our keys to the game. Ryan, I'll start with you. AJ, you can bring one in and I'll, I'll bring us home there before we get to predictions.
1: Feed Devin Singletary. I know that's a little bit off the beaten path. The Bills are now 4-0 and when Devin Singletary gets 14 carries or more this season. They are 5-1 when he gets double-digit carries. If you are going to this game potentially without Deion Dawkins, they're gonna the New England Patriots are going to be pinning their ears back to try to get after Josh Allen. What's the best way to offset that? A strong running game. And Devin Singletary has been playing good football when he's been given those carries, given those opportunities. And yes, that also trickles down to Naheem Hines. It trickles down to James Cook. But utilize the run game. Do not let the Patriots with Matthew Judon and company be able to just go after Josh Allen and do not make yourself one-dimensional if you do not have to be. So feed Devin Singletary. Get him those 14 carries or more. And only good things have happened so far this season when it has happened, Matt.
0: I'll go with the offense getting off to a hot start. I know, Ryan, I think you mentioned it earlier in the show. Um, the Browns and Lions games, the Bills just didn't get off to good starts, and it you know almost prevented them from winning those games. I think you know the Patriots are 0-5 when teams score 20-plus points on them. So if the Bills can get going early – get in a rhythm. Josh Allen hopefully is a h- little healthier this week, obviously with a full design- designation in practice, like you said, getting those reps. I think the Bills, if they can find a rhythm on offense in the first half, continue that over to the second half, and um, I'll bring Ryan's key to the game in there. Feed Devin Singletary in the second half. Um, I think the Bills can get the job done.
2: I, I was going to kind of go in a similar direction there, but I'll flip it over to the defensive side of the ball since A.J. Uh, stole my thunder. I got a boy, A.J., <laughs> Watching this Patriots offense, what allows them to kind of hang around in, in games is when they're able to not only complete passes and get out in, in, in the run game, but it's when teams aren't tackling. And at times this season, the Bills... Have struggled, you know, it, with tackling uh, in the run game at times. Even in the pass game, you talk about some missed tackles, you know, the last couple of games, you know, against opposing teams' passing game. So I think, you know, having Embins back, having Milano, who's been one of the best players in the NFL this season, you got to fly to the football. You you can't let them break tackles. You can't let them sustain drives because I think that's where this team, where this becomes a game. Because if you come out and you do what you're supposed to do to this defense, I think there's enough offensive firepower for the Bills to score enough points to probably make this a two score game at some point over the course of the first 30 30 minutes and I just don't think this is a Patriots team that's built to come back from uh, you know a big lead and even even though it is in in Foxborough. All right, prediction time, Ryan, who you got?
1: I have the Bills winning this one 33 to 20. I think the Bills are able to get over that 30 point threshold uh, partly with the offense play you know getting right Josh Allen being Getting a full week of practice, uh, and then the defense—they, they, you know—they've been able to get to Mac Jones a little bit, create some turnovers. I think they'll get at least one on Thursday night. So, Bills end up winning that one by thirteen points.
0: I'll go Bills twenty-seven, Patriots seventeen. I think obviously Edmonds getting back on the field, hopefully this week, turning in the right direction. Rousseau, Epanasa, more rotation on the defensive line. Uh, Oliver coming off his best game, and I want to bring up a point. That Lions game last week almost felt exactly like the Buccaneers game last year. I know that we ultimately ended up losing, the Bills ultimately ended up losing that game in overtime, but the Bills just really came together. You saw Diggs in the locker room after the game. They looked really good, and the Lions were on a three game win streak, lost to the Lions earlier by three. They've lost a lot of close games, so that was a good football team. The Lions deserved to win, and Josh Allen with 23 seconds left. Um, you know, stole the game. So I'm going to go Bills 27, Patriots 17.
2: I am also going to go with the Bills. And listen, Tyler Bass has gotten a lot of work the last couple of weeks. You know, he should have been AFC player of the week, probably, after the Browns game. What do, we, what do you have, five field goals or something like that? Six? It might have been six. Okay, he had 19
1: points. He had six field goals and one extra point.
2: He was working. Well, guess what? This game? No field goals for Tyler Bass. 35-17, five extra points. The Bills get it done. I think everything that we talked about in this game is going to come to fruition. In the end, the prediction – listen, I think that there is a path to the the Patriots playing an inspired game after what happened last year in those two games. The problem that I foresee is at the quarterback position for them. and I And I just don't know if Mac Jones is going to be able to do the things that he did to Minnesota – against the bills. And what does this team become in that game? Because as good as this Patriots defense is when they faced a good offense with a good wide receiver and Justin Jefferson, and then Adam Thielen and, and TJ Hawkinson and some, you know, spare parts, they got torched last week. I mean, this, the, the Minnesota Vikings moved up and down the field against them over and over again. The Bills have to execute in the red zone. That's an additional key to the game for you. Get over to valuehomecenters.com right now. Hook yourself up. I think the bills win 35, 17. All right. We got all three of us got the bills winning, but if you want to win for the big game <laughs> Thursday night, head over to Tops and the Carryout Cafe. Hot to go fresh large cheese and pepperoni pizza, fourteen dollars. Jumbo chicken wing, ten count, fourteen dollars. The legendary breakfast pizza, twenty bucks. Pizza or taco lock, six counts. Are you laughing, AJ? Are you laughing? No,
0: I'm, I'm, no, not at all. It was a great transition. You remember, you're the transition king.
2: 769 baby back rib sections, 599 a pound, sub sandwiches, wraps, apps, sides, and so much more. Visit topsmarkets.com red zone for the complete menu of ready to enjoy fan favorites. I thought you were laughing, but I think it's your because I didn't, I had my read up on the screen, so I couldn't see your face. I think it's your internet connection. We got to upgrade you to the next uh, package so next week we can get you, you know, full fledged, uh, you no know, breaking up there.
0: Yeah, probably. I, you know, it's the college Wi-Fi. I guess
2: <laughs> easy shot to take. No, I'm just, I'm just messing with you. All right, he's Ryan. He's AJ. I'm Matt Perino. Thank you for watching. Shout, like, and subscribe before you go. I am headed to Boston on Wednesday. We will be uh, coming to you live from Foxborough on Thursday night late after the game. You know us, after dark, it, it gets wild and crazy on those late-night post-game editions. Ryan's going to be rushing us out of here. He's going to get up for work the next day, but we're going to go late into the night. We'll see if AJ can hang tough. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Have a great week, everybody.
1: Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.